Good morning and welcome to today's episode of Running the Race, where we're helping you to run well and finish strong in the race of faith. I'm so glad you've taken the time to spend with us this morning. And as each week, I am Michael and I am your host. Now, on today's show, we're having a conversation with my friend, Daryl McElwain. Daryl serves as the multi-area director for the Southwest Georgia Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But before we talk with Daryl, I want to share a message of hope with you from Psalm 119, verses 25 through 29. Listen to what the psalmist writes. My life is down the dust. Give me life through your word. I told you about my life and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Help me understand the meaning of your precepts so that I can meditate on your wonders. I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Keep me from the way of deceit and graciously give me your instruction. In Psalm 119, verse 24, the psalmist delights in the counsel of God's word. And of course, when we refer to God's word, we're talking about the scriptures, the Bible. In Psalm 119, verse 25, the the psalmist is down in the dumps. He says he's literally in the dust. And so our enemy, the devil, attacks us hardest when we're enjoying the blessings of God. And the psalmist finds himself not just in a phase, uh, but in in a rut. And so it's dangerous to relax and to lay aside the armor of God. This section here in Psalm 119 really focuses on the fact that the psalmist desires spiritual renewal and desires to know and to seek that renewal through God's word, through the scriptures. And so the psalmist finds uh, gleam amid the gloom in the fact that God is still on the throne. He's still mighty to save, and he's still sovereign over all of the situations and circumstances of his life. And so the same should be true for you and me, that God is still sovereign, he's still good, he's still in control, and he is still God ruling and reigning in all of our life circumstances. So what is it that the psalmist realized about the scriptures? What is it about God's word, God's statutes? God's commands, God's precepts, all of these words used interchangeably here in Psalm 119. What is it that the psalmist realized about God's word that made him so hungry for it, for that spiritual renewal? Well, first of all, we see God's word in conviction. You see, the first function of God's word is to convict us of sin and to, to draw us to God. The Holy Spirit's first work in the soul is to convict of sin and of righteousness and the judgment to come. And so the phrase, according to your word, means this was his only recourse. For God's hand is sovereign in our lives, and so his only recourse is to draw near to God through the scriptures. The, the little doubt that the psalmist... <clears throat> was in the grip of a deep depression. He, he was flat on his face in the dust. He had come to the end of himself and of his own resources. So the Bible is the book of people and principles, right? Sooner or later, God will confront us in the pages of his scriptures with the basic cause of our problem and with his inspired infallible solution to the problem. So when we are at our worst, the Lord God comes along and gives us the grace that we need. But he also sowed God's word in confession. It's sin that entices us and leads us astray from the Lord and from his word. No permanent solution can be found to shame and guilt of the soul until we confess to God. There's no permanent solution can be found to personality problems that leaves out confession to God. And so that's the reason that so much modern thought falls short is that it fails to take into account our dependency upon our creator. You see, repentance restores our fellowship with God. But then we see God's word in consecration speaks of the holy life, a life that is free from guilt and the gnawing of the conscience is far more likely to be happy than a guilt-ridden, pain-wrecked life. You see, guilt can only be washed away by the shed blood of Jesus. And the concern is with the deep understanding of the Word of God. It goes beyond a surface understanding of the words to profound understanding of what they reveal about our sovereign creator, God. And then we also see God's word in contrition. 
we'll see that in the New Testament, Jesus wept. He wept not for his sins, but our sins. One lesson of the prophet Hosea is that sin breaks not only God's laws, it breaks his heart. And so Jesus wept at Bethany over what sin had been done and what sin had done to his friend, Lazarus. Sin had slain him as it slays everybody. Our progress is steadily from the womb to the tomb, and Jesus wept over that. He wept over Jerusalem, over what sin had done to a nation. It had caused Israel to reject him. He wept in Gethsemane over what sin had done to the world. Sin had turned God's paradise into a graveyard, and we should weep over our sins. According to Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, mourning leads to comfort. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, Jesus said. Comfort comes in response to the mourning and the repenting. Repentance brings forgiveness. And so if convicting, then there's no comfort, right? But God wants us to be uncomfortable with our sins so that we will repent, because in that repentance comes the comfort of his grace and then we also see God's word in contrast. The, the psalmist doesn't pray, hey, God, remove me from the false way as if he's standing passively by as a spectator. Rather, he prays, remove the false way from me. God's word stands in contrast with deceit. And so the Bible tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And the psalmist saw the answer to his need, and he found it in the scriptures. He said the way to revival out of our brokenness and out of our weakness is that we cry out to God, and he answers according to his scriptures, according to his truth. So this gives us hope that God will come. He will revive us. He will renew us if we will but realize our need and seek him according to his scriptures. Let me pray for us today. So Father in heaven, Lord, I, I thank you today that you are God and you are good. And Lord, I thank you that you have revealed yourself and revealed your truth to us in the scriptures. And so Lord, I pray today that you would make each of us desirous of a closer walk with you. Lord, make us desirous of knowing you, of living for you, of honoring you, and of drawing near to you in our lives. God, I pray that you would shine the light of your conviction in our lives. And Lord, help us to, to repent and to draw near to you. And Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you're listening to Running the Race, where we're helping you to run well and finish strong in the race of faith. I'm excited to have as our conversation guest today, Daryl McElwain. Daryl is the multi-area director for the Southwest Georgia Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Daryl, good morning, and thank you for joining us in the conversation about faith and sports today. Hey, good morning, Mike. It's my pleasure to be here. I appreciate you asking. Hey, my pleasure. So, listen, let's do this. Let's give our listeners a little context. So why don't you take just a moment and introduce and share a little bit about yourself for our listeners. Okay, be glad to. I uh, grew up in South Georgia, military kid, uh, one of five, and uh, had a had a really good background growing up. Um, followed my dad's footsteps, got a commission in the Air Force, uh, went to Lowndes High School, came out of Valdosta State with a degree in math, but more importantly for me, uh, a commission in the Air Force. So went off and served for 22 years, um, married, four kids, two boys, two girls. My wife teaches school, uh, kindergarten teacher, uh, granddad, and uh, came out of the military back in 2012, and God just opened some amazing doors, worked out some incredible circumstances uh, to bring me on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes about a, a month after retiring from the Air Force, and uh, I've been doing that since 2012 and absolutely loving it. Well, Darrell, let me say thank you for your service in, uh, in the Air Force. We uh, as uh, Americans are grateful to you. And uh, thank you for serving. So, listen, let's well, bring the other side of this conversation or the first side of the conversation in. And why don't you share, how did you come to faith in Christ? Okay, sure. Yeah, I grew up, uh, like I said, down in Valdosta. 
a very good home. Um, I would say a very moral home, not necessarily a Christ-centered home. Uh, my, my, my parents, you know, my mom definitely wanted us to be in church. My dad, um, he, he was not the spiritual leader in our home, but he was a good dad. He, he was a good dad, but wasn't leading out. So mom took us to church. Um, great, great youth group. What, I mean, just a great experience growing up of a church that built, built community. And I mean, all of us wanted to be at church. So even though I didn't have a relationship with Christ, I was in a place where I wanted to be. And, um, so kind of grew up always wanting to, you know, please, please my parents, please my teachers. Um, you know, wasn't, wasn't always looking to get in trouble, found some trouble occasionally. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the service one night, just like, you know, every other, every other Sunday night, any other Sunday night. And it was clear as a bell to me that night that God just kind of took the scales from my eyes and said, Hey, you're a you're a good kid, but you're not a godly kid. And there's a, there's a huge difference. This is not a, it's not a performance based thing about trying to please me. It's a, it's a surrender thing about, you know, surrendering your life to me. And so one of my best friends, uh, growing up was in the, in the, in the church as well. His dad was a deacon. I really looked up, really loved, looked up to his dad. So I went and grabbed his dad and I said, Hey, Mr. Donald, I got to talk to somebody. So he took me took me back in the uh, here's some old school terminology. Took me back in the training union, um, <laughs> the training union office, and led me led me to faith in Jesus back there on a, on a Sunday night. Um, yeah, and it's I mean I I don't remember I don't remember the year I don't remember the exact how old it was can't figure it out can't find the date but no doubt that's when uh, true transformation happened in my life. Nadara, you grew up in South Georgia in the Valdosta area, and I, I'm a North yeah. Georgia uh, kid, right? I grew up in, in the northeast part of the state in, in Elberton. And uh, so, listen, where I'm from, there's really only three parts to the state of Georgia. There, there's, there's the North Georgia mountains, uh, or, or what we would say North Georgia. Then there's Atlanta, and then there's, South, right. and then there's South Georgia, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like three different states. <laughs> yeah, and so, of course, you're in, you're in the Warner Robins area now, which is really middle Georgia, but see, where I'm from, anything outside of Atlanta is, is South Georgia. So, listen, what, what, what's it like? Because South Georgia really is uh, kind of a, a country land in, in and into itself. Uh, what, what's it like? What was it like growing up in, uh, in South Georgia, growing up in the Valdosta area? Um, man, it was, it was a good, a good time growing up. It, you know, obviously things, everybody romanticizes their, their, their past, uh, and then, you know, kind of blocks out all the bad stuff, but it was a great, great community to grow up in. I mean, it just, it felt like time, time was slower. People enjoyed, you know, friendships. I, I still remember, which probably doesn't happen now, but you know, the preacher would go out and visit or the deacons would go out and visit. They come by your house. People, people were out. We were always outside doing stuff that we weren't inside playing video games. You know, we're cropping back in the summer and, um, you know, going to the base swimming pool and just really enjoying life. Uh, it's a great, great place to grow up. I have incredibly fond memories of growing up in South Georgia. Yeah, my kids asked me, you know, what what uh, I did when I was growing up. You know, as, as they've as they've grown up, they've asked me, you know, just you know, you're always kind of curious of what what things were like when your parents or your grandparents were were coming along. And I said, look, we we played 
We played football till it was basketball season. We played basketball till it was baseball season. We played baseball till it was summer. And then we went fishing for a couple of months. And then we started right. on, it was a, re, it really was kind of a simple, a simple time. I mean, not, not necessarily, that may be an oversimplification, but that really, really was kind of the base of what we did. Now, listen, you, you say that um, uh, out of the Air Force, uh, about a month or so after that, you uh, came on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So let me ask, how did you get connected with FCA? What was your initial uh, involvement uh, and, and what led you to, to coming on staff? Well, initial involvement, um, our oldest son, he was uh, – all of our kids were involved in FCA. They all went to House County High School. Shout out to the 6A baseball state champions last night. Go Bears. Yeah. Uh, but all four of our kids went to Houston County High School and were, were involved at FCA in some capacity. My, my son, you know, uh, ran, played soccer. But I didn't really – I didn't really know a whole lot about that. I coached – coached or did something in a coaching capacity with all four of our kids across all kind of sports, whether they were playing out at the base, whether they were playing little league, uh, we've got a big sports and recreation ministry at our church. So I was doing everything from, you know, coaching team, dad, running the concessions, umpiring, refereeing, <laughs> you name it for years and years for all of our kids and developed a, a great relationship with, um, what would become probably my best friend I've ever had, one of our pastors and uh, accountability partner. And so as I was coming up on military retirement, I just, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do. It would be, it would be an easy transition for me to, you know, trade in the uniform for a, you know, for some slacks and a golf shirt and kind of be a defense contractor or civil service. That would be really easy. But I felt like the Lord I felt like there was something different. I just didn't know what it was. And so I was having these conversations with, with one of my pastors and, you know, I just don't know what life after the military looks like. Is it with the boys club, girls club? Is it, you know, teaching and coaching? I have no idea. And so we're sitting at the Waffle House on Thursday morning and I get an email from my brother-in-law, my wife's brother and I've never gotten an email from him. You, you'd have to know how crazy this is, you know, to, to really understand how crazy this is, this guy doesn't email, but I get an email from him and, and it, it is explaining that the guy who is on staff with the fellowship of Christian athletes feels like the Lord is leading him to go pastor a church full time. Yeah. And so he is letting all the coaches know in the area that he's going to be stepping away from FCA to be a pastor. And my brother-in-law is the head baseball coach at Peach County. So he sends this to me and says, this is you. This is you all over. And so I knew the FCA guy that was going to be leaving to go to, to pastor. And I called him. And as soon as he answered the phone, he said, dude, this is you. This is you. I've got to, I got to get you in contact with some people. You got to start talking to, you know, the FCA folks. And then man, it was just, it was so clear. Um, just going through the interview process God confirming it in, in my heart, confirming it in the the folks that are already on staff with FCA, the folks who are involved in, you know, uh, leadership volunteerism here in our community. And that was back in – my retirement was official the 1st of April 2012, and uh, I started raising my support a month later, May 2012. For our listeners, the, they just don't understand uh, so much happens at a Waffle House in the state of Georgia, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yes. business deals get done uh, on a golf course, but uh, but ministry happens at a Waffle House in the state of Georgia. So that's that's good stuff. Now, Darrell, let me yeah. ask you this. Now, from your perspective, how, how do faith and sports intersect? I mean, is there any connection, any correlation in faith and sports, and how do you see them colliding with one another? Oh, absolutely. I mean, sports is a – you know, I've heard it said before that, um, you know, sports sp- sports builds character. No, sports just kind of provides a, a laboratory for character to be revealed. So, you know, I mean, the intersection of faith and sports is you're going to see an, an opportunity, man. You, you can be a phenomenal follower of Christ in your sport – using the talents and the skills and ability that that god has gifted you with you're gonna you're gonna see that intersection whether someone is strong in their faith or whether they have no faith it's gonna come it's gonna totally build their identity or they're going to find their identity elsewhere i mean it, it is it's a great intersection um I, I think it's a it's a perfect opportunity for coaches and athletes male female to really understand that God created us with, with emotions and desires and he gifted us with, with talents and passions and abilities. And man, I can, I can use these to glorify him. I can use the platform, you know, something that I absolutely love, a ball or a mat or a court. And I can, man, I can glorify him. I can talk to others about my faith while we're, while we're enjoying sport. It's beautiful. I love how you said that sports uh, provides a laboratory to uh, for character to be revealed and for it to be developed. And so, I mean, Daryl, that, that is really a great way to look at it. There's already character or lack thereof in a coach or in an athlete, and so sport is going to reveal that. It's, yes. it's going to reveal that. Uh, but then also it provides that context to develop it. Uh, and so I, I love I love that imagery. Our conversation guest this morning on running the race is Daryl McElwain, the multi-area director for the Southwest Georgia Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so uh, let me ask you a little bit about that role, uh, Daryl. Now you've you've recently had a uh, a change, we would say a, a shift or promotion and responsibility. So w- what is your role with FCA, and what does that entail? Well, yeah, it's a shift. It's it's exciting. I. I said yes to it back around March. And so now I'm I'm the military director for Southwest Georgia, which just means that, man, I get to partner with some incredible people across the 56 counties that, that we, you know, FCA kind of divides each state by counties. So, so Georgia is split up into, into five multi-areas and one fifth of those is considered Southwest Georgia, 56 counties. So, I get to work with with our staff, travel all over the state, meet with coaches and athletes and community leaders and school administrators and, you know, club sport administrators and just really see, hey, how can we how can we walk out our mission of leading every coach and athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus and his church? Mm. And so for you know, since March, that's really what I've been doing is just kind of traveling the state, getting to know the directors that are in place, getting to know the staff, getting to know the boards, the communities, um, just, you know, because Atlanta is different than South Georgia. Atlanta's, um, you know, North Georgia is different than South Georgia. So just trying to get a feel for the community and, and how best to intersect 
faith in sports in Southwest Georgia. So how are you seeing FCA making an impact on your school campuses? Obviously, the last year has has uh, brought some new challenges uh, with that, some new opportunities with COVID protocols. And so we've had to do things a little differently. But from your, your vantage point, how are you seeing FCA impacting on your school campuses? Gotcha. Yeah, great question. And, and you're right. The context changed. And, and to me, the context, it was a change for the win. Um, it, most people, I, I would say that most people I talk to that are familiar with FCA would say something like, oh, yeah, I think they – I think they had that at my nephew's school. It was they met on Fridays and they had a youth pastor and donuts and music and and that's great. And we are never going to walk away from those big meetings. But what COVID kind of forced us into is to kind of we had to get smaller. We had to get real intentional intentional about developing relationships with with head coaches on each individual team sport. And, and training people in our community, finding someone who, who had a love for a, a particular campus. You know, number one, do you love Jesus? Um, finding out what campus they were aligned with or loved or their kids grew up in. Okay, what sport would you maybe really love? And then training that person to, to be a character coach. I mean, it's essentially like training them to coach a a, a position on the team that's not necessarily a sport position, yeah. but you're going to be there for character development, to develop relationships, to really engage uh, the coaching staff and the athletes with the gospel, and and just be there, have a ministry of presence, and that has and that has flourished and really allowed us to to be about what we see our business as is kind of being a a, a, a disciple making ministry. I'm a disciple making disciples of coaches and athletes. And so kind of leaning into that character coach model is really where we where we've been able to focus um, the last year or so. Um, and now that things are opening up, we're kind of going back to, you know, some of those larger meetings and events. But it's really, really been neat when, uh, you know, when I, when I started back in 2012, I would have never – Never imagined that my phone would ring, you know, with a with a coach saying, "Hey, you see me this way on a Friday night, but let me tell you what's going on. Uh, let me tell you a call I just got from my son or my wife." And because of the relationships we developed, being able to walk alongside that coach and to, you know, laugh when they laugh, cry when they cry, grieve with them, and, and really minister to them and. Um, God's allowed us to to develop a a rock star, all-star staff here of, uh, you know, some former coaches and athletes and just people who really understand the struggle of coaching. You know, our our strategy in FCA is is real simple. five words, to and through the coach. We see see coaches, men and women, as um, probably the most influential people, some of the the most influential people in the world, and and a lot of times – I'll ask people. In fact, I'll ask you, Mike. Do you do you know who the president of the University of Georgia is? Uh, Jer- I don't. Jer- Jerry Moorhead. Okay, hey man, you are you're like you are one of the elite who knows that question. Most people don't, and they don't know. They wouldn't know who the president of FSU or Miami, but everybody knows who the football coach is. That's true. So being able to build relationships with those really powerful. Um, 
influencers, people that, that you know, our, our culture is saturated and enamored with sports. So uh, it's been really a beautiful thing to de- develop relationships with those coaches. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the refined focus, the intentionality. And, and I think that, uh, you know, COVID, uh, you were talking about the, you know, sport just reveals character that's already there. You know, COVID revealed uh, so much uh, about everything in, in our country and in our world. But it also caused us to have to rethink and, uh, and, and refocus. And I'm, I'm grateful for the leadership and the fellowship of Christian athletes from our president to our vice presidents all the way down who helped to think through that strategy. And we were actually out in front of it before COVID hit. COVID really mm-hmm. created uh, an environment, and to use your word, a laboratory, where we were able to, to, to learn and to focus uh, and, to, and, to, and to shift in, in, a, in yeah. a pretty good way uh, because our strategy really was to and through the coach uh, and – I'm I'm just grateful as one who spends my time uh, working basically exclusively with these coaches. Obviously, they're my heroes, and so I uh, I am grateful uh, that we're able to to shift and focus in in that way. So, uh, Daryl, let, let me ask you to speak to to the person who's listening that says, you know what I've I've been listening and I hear about this Fellowship of Christian Athletes and I listen every week to the program and I hear this incredible stuff that's going on. Maybe I need to volunteer. What, what would you say to that person who's, who's trying to, to figure out how or when or why to take that step of becoming a volunteer through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes? Oh, I would say there's, there's no maybe to it. You do need to volunteer. Man, we, we will get you. Your local staff would love nothing more than to find out what your passion is, what, what, how are you best wired for service, and we want to plug you in. Your staff would love to plug you in to find you an opportunity to serve. We have some people who want to, you know, they want to be out front. They they would embrace the opportunity to stand before a, a team, to walk alongside the team. But from being in this ministry, there's a lot of people, they don't want that. They want to be the person who cooks hot dogs and is never seen. So I would say reach out to your local staff. Mike can get you in touch. He can put some resources to, to get you in touch. You know, Google FCA in your county or your um, your community and, and reach out to those people. There is, you know, it's like the Bible says, the laborers are few. And there is a, there's a great harvest. There's a great opportunity. It's exciting ministry. It's uh, your staff would be, would love to hear from you. And uh, we're not going to ask you to do, we're not going to ask you to do anything you're uncomfortable with. We're going to find out what, how God's uniquely gifted and equip you, and we're going to just give you the opportunity to serve him. Yeah, and uh, for our listeners, let me just uh, simplify this. We talk about this uh, pretty much every week. If you're interested in finding out more about how to volunteer with your local Fellowship of Christian Athletes in your community, whether you're right here in the East Volusia Flagler area or wherever you are in the, in the country or in the world, I, I can help connect you. If you'll just go online to VolusiaFlaglerFCA.org, that's VolusiaFlaglerFCA.org. Click on the, the contact button, find the staff page, send me, Michael Stovall, an email. and say, Michael, I'd like to know more about volunteering in FCA, and let me know what, uh, what area, what state, what part of the country you're in, and I will reach out and help connect you with your local staff if you're not here in our area. Daryl, before I let you go this morning, <clears throat> We're going to pull the curtain back and get into the, the mind of Daryl McElwain this morning. We call this our lightning, oh. lightning round. And, uh, so I'm going to ask you a question or give you a couple of options, and you just respond with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? 
This could be dangerous, Michael. Well, it might be. I've not lost anybody yet, and I'm still on the radio, so we're, we're good to go. Gotcha. All right, so your, fa- your favorite cartoon character? Oh, Foghorn Leghorn. There you go. Uh, you, listen, you're going to play a round of golf. You can choose only one golf club to play the entire round. Which club are you taking with you? Driver. Go big or go home. All right. Cake or pie? Damn, that's tough. Pie. All right, pie. What's one place that you've always wanted to visit? Australia. Any particular reason for Australia? I just want to. I just want to go and and have a. I want to make up my own horrible Australian accent while I'm there. Okay, very good. Your favorite number? Thirteen. And you got to pick one: LeBron or Jordan. Jordan. There you go. It's the only that's answer. Easy. It's the only answer. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, Daryl, thank you for taking the time to join us this morning. Thank you for all that you and your team are doing to serve coaches and athletes throughout Southwest Georgia. And I appreciate you, my friend. Well, thank you for giving me the platform. Sorry for rambling, but man, thank you again, Mike. Yes, sir. FCA's mission is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. Our strategy, as Daryl said, is to and through the coach. Our coaches carry such an influence, but also such a responsibility in their role as a coach. And so we would love to help connect you to serve, to be a source of encouragement and serving to our coaches and our athletes. As I said before, if you'll go online to volushaflaglerfca.org, Click on the button, send me, Michael Stovall, an email, and we'll get connected with you and help you to figure out and discern where you can step in and serve through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We'll hope you have a great week and look forward to getting together next Sunday for Running the Race, where we're helping you to run well and finish strong in the race of faith. 